We are in Exodus chapter 2, going to be reading verses 1 through 10. Appreciate our praise band today and appreciate them leading in worship. And I thought how every one of these songs, how well they fit uh, into the message uh, that is uh, we find here in God's Word. Exodus chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 1 through 10. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes, daubed it with bitumen and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And her sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me. I will give you your wages. So the woman took the, took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Are you, uh, are you familiar maybe with uh, some of these escape rooms that have become popular maybe here in the recent past? It's, uh, some of them even called the escape zone. It's where a group of people you go in, you pay $25 a piece and you go into a room and you have an hour in which you might be able to solve a mystery so that you might be able to get out of the room. Any of you ever? I've not done it, but it sounds like fun. But this is, this is on their website put that up so you might be able to read it on the website of one of these escape rooms are a fun interactive experience for anyone who enjoys playing games and solving puzzles your group of up to eight people will be immersed in a theme room filled with puzzles you must work together as a team to find clues crack codes and beat the clock you won't believe how 60 minutes how fast 60 minutes can fly by your game master will give you a short briefing before leading your group to the puzzle room. Once the, room, the doors close and the clock starts, you'll have 60 minutes to solve your way out of the room. Do all, all these games are challenging. They are designed for ultimate fun, whether you escape or not. Does your team have what it takes to escape? Well, it does sound like fun. Too bad all these are closed for now because you, when you might have time to be able to go to one of these things. But it doesn't stop us from seeking to solve the mystery or for seeking to be able to find our way. This is kind of a theme interpretation of our series over the next few weeks that we about the life of Moses called the escape zone. Bible says that we're all enslaved to sin. We're sometimes held back by the things of this world so that we're not able to go forward or to be able to do the things that the Lord would have us to do or to experience the spirit-filled life that the Lord has us until we turn those things over to Him. So we're going to spend today in the next few weeks and we're going to be talking about how we might be able to understand and to find our way so that we might be able to, one, know that we have a home in heaven, but also so that we might be able to be a part of God's plan that He has for us here on earth and so that we might be able to 
enjoy the spirit-filled life. Do you have what it takes? No, you don't, unless you have Jesus. Even the story of Moses points to the one who is the true deliverer, who is Jesus. So this week, weeks to come, welcome to the escape zone. We will discover together through the life of Moses and the story of the Exodus how you might be set free in Jesus regardless of the circumstances of your life or regardless of what's happening in the world today. And you might be surprised how fast 30 minutes go, go by each week. Uh, I want us to make a purposeful transition today by being prepared for whatever we are facing and for a relaunch into life beyond this pandemic. And I'm all for a positive attitude, but Jesus is the one who we know continues to be the hope of the world. Hope no matter what the situation. If you're experiencing difficulties in your life today, rest assured that God knows what the outcome will be and what He's going to do about it. The cross of Christ and the story of Moses reminds us that our God has a plan. Believing that, do we sit passively by and simply wait and watch? Well, the Bible does say to wait upon the Lord, and we know that we're to watch and to see what God is doing. But we'll also find from the story of Moses and God's work among the people of Israel how to become an active part of God's plan and to be ready to do for what He has planned for our life and the world around us. Now, if you want a front row seat for what God is doing and you want to be sure that you're a part of it, here are some things we learned from this passage. And You've got some notes maybe that we've sent by email. They may even be on the side there that's a part, or you could just listen closely, and they're going to show up on the screen. But if you want to be, have a front row seat of what God's doing and will do in the future, you want to remain faithful to God even in difficult times. The story of Moses and the Exodus is one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, maybe partly because of uh, books and movies Movies, whether they be the classic movies or maybe some of the more modern movies. And, but the story has been well known for a lot longer than that. Uh, the story of the Exodus took place, and there's uh, some, kind, some uh, uh, debate on exactly when, about 13 or 1400 years ago. And, uh, for, excuse me, 13 or 1400 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem. And I like to think of it like this I could, David was born about a thousand years before Christ, about the year 1000 B.C., around that time of the story of David. And then there were about 600 years after that until there were the times of the kings and the times of the prophets. Well, it was during this time that the prophets often talked about and they used the story of Moses and the Exodus and God's people being brought out of slavery to go to the promised land. The prophets would talk about how God is faithful and He was faithful to the Israelites and to bring them out of slavery even when they may not have deserved it. And the prophets often also talked about that first generation that they came to the promised land but they were not able to enter the promised land because of their unfaithfulness and because of their lack of belief. So very naturally, since God is faithful, the prophets would often say that God's people need to be faithful as well. And they talk about the next generation who was faithful and because of their faith they were able to enter into the promised land. But not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, Jesus talked about Moses. And Paul particularly talked about the story of the Exodus and compared that to the Christian life. That Christ has saved you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. You've been 
given freedom in Christ. You don't have to wander in the wilderness any longer. You can have the promised land life. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Now, the promised land life is not a life that's free of difficulty, but it's a life that helps us to know that the Lord's always walking with us and he's always working with us. Oh, I thought about the songs that were sung today and and we talked about how God is working even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, we know that the Lord is working. Now, salvation itself does not depend upon your faithfulness. It is by grace through faith that you are saved if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. But living that promised land life just might have a lot to do with how faithful you are. Now, the story of Moses wasn't just popular because of the movies now. People have been talking about these true events for the better part of uh, 4,000 years. To, thus today in the days to come, we're going to travel back to ancient Egypt. We're going to walk and wander in the wilderness on our way to the land flowing with milk and honey. And if you pay attention today and in the days to come, you'll be able to tell exactly where you are in your spiritual journey. Are you stuck in the land of Egypt? Are there things that are holding you back? You'll be able to tell if you're wandering in the wilderness and unable to experience all the things, or if you're truly seeking after the Lord and growing in in Christ to the fullest, discovering more about your sovereign Savior every day. My suspicions are, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, you're not quite where you want to be, you're quite where you need to be. So I invite you to Join me this morning and the days to come to look at this familiar story as you not only discover where you are, but find out what's next and the next step to move where you need to be. Now, you know that all the descendants of Jacob had been living in Egypt because of Joseph. And maybe just to remind you that God had called Abraham about a thousand years before. God had called Abraham out of the land of Ur to come to a land that he had not known and He had promised him this land. You remember that Abraham had a son by the name of Isaac. And then Isaac had a son by the name of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob had 12 sons, thus the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of these sons we know was Joseph. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery through a series of events which we've talked about before and we'll talk about again at some point. But through that series of events, Joseph became second in command in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And then thus all of the family of Jacob and all of Joseph's brothers and their families came to live in the land of Egypt. They lived in Egypt for 400 years. Do you remember part of the covenant for Abraham and the promise to Abraham was that you will multiply? And multiply they did. From a family of 12 brothers, they multiplied over those 400 years to what has been estimated to well over a million people. Sometimes it's estimated that there may have even been up to 3 million people. Well, during that time, after several Pharaohs had come through, the Bible tells us, particularly in chapter 1 of Exodus, that a Pharaoh of a different kind came to be ruler of Egypt, one who did not either did not know about Joseph or no longer had respect for Joseph and his family. And the multiplication of the Israelites, the population of the Israelites caused him to fear that they might become enemies and might fight against the Egyptians. This Pharaoh came up with a plan to stop the overpopulation problem of the Israelites. He made them slaves. 
and he put them to hard labor in hopes that that would stop the population spread of the Israelites. They made bricks. Now, probably they did not make the uh, pyramids of Cairo and such. Instead, they made bricks that built cities, and we're told particularly they made cities of, of Python. Ramses may have been another one, and it was thought that they would stop increasing, but instead the Scripture tells us they multiplied all the more. So then Pharaoh came up with a second plan. He gave an order to all the Hebrew midwives that would help the Hebrews have their children. He gave an order to them that they would kill all babies that were boys. But the Hebrew midwives refused to obey, saying that they always showed up too late. The Israelite women just have babies really fast. But in fact, this was the, it was the first act of civil disobedience. Now, we're instructed in Scripture to be submissive to the government, but not when the government asks us to do something contrary to God's law. In fact, the Bible tells us that God blessed these Hebrew midwives. So that didn't work. So he came up with another plan. So when that didn't work, Pharaoh made a law that all Hebrew baby boys be thrown into the Nile River. It's the first Jewish holocaust, one of Satan's many attempts to rid the world of God's chosen people. It was a difficult time. The Hebrew people surely had to be thinking we've been made slaves. The Hebrew midwives have been ordered to kill all the babies. Now all of Egypt is ordered if they find a baby boy to be thrown into the Nile River. They had to be thinking what's next. How much worse could it be? It wasn't just a time of injustice and physical oppression. Egypt was a place of immorality. They worshipped foreign gods. They were very worldly. They were subject to sexual immorality. And after not hearing from God for 400 years and all that was going on, many Israelites, not all, but many Israelites worshipped foreign gods and many were falling into Egyptian immorality. Consider today we too live in a day of a dangerous time. We live in a dangerous time health-wise and spiritually. You may be in a situation with all the things happening in the world or maybe in your life personally, you may be thinking, what's next? Will normal ever get back to normal? When will high fives and handshakes and hugs be the order of the day instead of taboo? I hope and pray it will be sooner rather than later. But we are, in a very real sense, being held as slaves even to this pandemic. At least we could say it that way. Or education has changed our economics and even our ability to move around and do and go where we want freely. Every day we turn on the news or listen to social media to see and, and find out what's next. Are things worse? Are they going to be worse? Or are, they, are we on the road to recovery? The truth is that all of us are physically vulnerable to germs and disease and the viruses of this world. Ever since sin entered the world, our bodies have been fragile to this fallen world. Thus we put our trust not in the physical, never in the physical, but always in the supernatural because we're made for the heavenly. As far as the moral climate of Egypt, it's not a lot different than today. While they had lots of idols and gods they worship, we have just as many today that people worship only instead of carved images. The ones that take priority today are made up of people and careers and cars and sports and bank accounts. If nothing else, maybe this pandemic has caused all of us Jesus followers or not to discover what it is that is really important. Or 
what or who it is that we worship. There are a lot of predictions that will of what's going to be happening in the days to come. Some are better predictions, some are not that good, but your future and all who belong to Jesus, our futures are really in God's hands. No economist, no politician, no health expert can predict what will happen to a child of God. Though he did not promise us riches in this world or to always be healthy, he promised that he'd never leave us. Now here's a, here's a blast for the past, but George Beverly Shea, who was the one who used to go around and sing with Billy Grahams and all of the Crusades. George Beverly Shea was offered a lucrative and uh, very, a career making pretty good money in the music industry. But in his testimony, he turned it all down in order that he might be able to do Christian ministry. And about that time, he wrote the song called, I'd Rather Have Jesus. Well, if I could sing, I'd sing it a little bit of it today, but it's I'd rather have Jesus than riches or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. If nothing else, tough times focus us to examine our priorities. Would we truly rather have Jesus? Consider the example that we have in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. Notice that very first verse that we read a moment ago. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. Now, there's much that is said here in this first verse. Even after 400 years, they followed God's plan of marriage and as it was intended within the priestly tribe of the Levites, giving birth to a son, a sign of hope. After God never rescinded the order for God's people to multiply, seek to be faithful to God's plan because God has a plan. In their case, God's plan had to do with their son. Maybe in your case, God's plan has to do with you or your future or your family. But for God to be able to work through you and for us to be a part of God's plan, well, you need to remain faithful. I want you to take notice, it was Pharaoh's plan to get rid of all the males of the nation. A generation without men certainly would cut down on the population. So men, I want to I talk to you for just a moment. It's also Satan's plan, men, for you to stop being the spiritual leaders in your home and among God's people. Satan figures if he can get the men out of church or keep them from being faithful to God, Christianity and the church will become ineffective in this generation. Men, it's time for us to step up and to follow God's plan and be God's representative it is among God's people in the church. Now, you're not coming into the church building, but men, we want to encourage you to be the church wherever you find yourself, and in particularly be God's representative in the home in these days. You want to pray for and with your family. You want to love your wives and love your children. It may be difficult, but you want to be an example that you were meant to be. If you want to be a part of God's plan, you're to remain faithful to your family and to God's family. Now men, ladies, teenagers, boys and girls, you want to make your relationship with God and be in the church even when we're not meeting together. The church which is the body of Christ that the gates of hell will not prevail against nor any pandemic. Make these things priority in these days and the days to come. Consider that Satan has a plan and God has a plan. And when men or women or young people fall away from the church or fall in their relationship with Christ for whatever reason, who's happier? Well, that's a no-brainer. But be sure of this, God's plan will prevail. 
and you want to be a part of whatever God's doing in the world, in this nation, in your family, and in your life. And we've all made mistakes. We're all sinners. Even as believers, we're saved sinners. But may this be a place, may this be a day that you find God's loving kindness and forgiveness. But don't use difficult times. Don't even use good times as an excuse not to remain faithful. But if you want a front row seat of all that God's doing, you want to be a part of that plan, you want to be able to see up close and personal, also you'll always expect God to be at work. You'll always expect God to be at work for your good and for His glory. After three months of hiding the baby, the cries of a baby could be hid no longer. And to be found hidden away, well, surely Moses would have been destroyed, thrown into the Nile. They put the baby in the river, as the letter of the law had said, but the river that was to be a place of death became a river of life. Kind of the way sometimes God works. That which was meant for evil, God uses for good. Writer of Hebrews talks about uh, these very events in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. And it says there, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now, most of you know this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. It's considered the faith chapter of the Bible. There's a long list of all those who were people of faith in the Old Testament, including people like Moses. But who is it that is showing faith in this particular verse? Well, it's the parents of Moses. And they saw, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, they saw that he was a beautiful child. Now, I read from the English Standard Version earlier in Exodus chapter 2, and the word was used that he was a fine child. Other, it's like the King James actually uses the word that he was a goodly child. And much has been made about this description of baby Moses. I mean, was he more beautiful than other babies? Well, to his parents, I'm sure that he was. Well, did they see that maybe he was gifted even when he was born? Something very special about this baby, more so than others. Well, again, I'm sure to his parents that was the case. Would they have not hidden him had he been an ugly baby? Well, we will never know because there's never been born an ugly baby yet, at least not to the parents and the grandparents. I think it's more maybe of a... On one sense, it's maybe more just of a natural description. It's a beautiful baby, kind of like saying those are good-looking cowboy boots. Now, all our cowboy boots are... I probably hear something about comparing babies to cowboy boots later. But this word for beautiful, fine, or goodly, it's the same word that is used in Genesis 1 and 2 that talks of God's creation. All that God created was good. So it may be that there's some significance here of a new beginning. But do we really believe that all things can work for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose? As it says in Romans 8.28, Well, the parents of Moses literally put their fate and the fate of their baby in God's hand and expected God to be at work. Maybe anticipate is a better word. Because to expect God does not owe us anything, but it's only by His grace that He's promised that He's going to be at work. They took the basket, they worked it with pitch and tar. And again, lots been made about what was actually used and what that may have symbolized. But the working of the basket, putting the baby in the basket in the water, symbolizes the same thing that the building of Noah's ark and entering the ark. It's a statement of faith. In your life, 
you want to, as the New Testament says, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, we're not talking about faith for salvation, but a growing faith for every day. Consider that the length of the Nile River is 4,130 miles long. It travels through 11 countries, including Ethiopia and Kenya and Egypt. I'm pretty sure it flows, though, north. And the depth of the Nile, you know how deep the Nile is? Well, it wouldn't really matter, to, would it, to a baby? How long would Moses have survived on the Nile River if he'd not fallen into God's hand? Again, God's not promised health, wealth, or even physical survival, but something much greater. He's promised us a home in heaven, but also He's promised that we can be a part of kingdom work. We can be a part of the greatest work in all the universe. And expecting God to come through means that which you might think would be the worst situation that you could be in in an uncertain future might be the very thing that God wants to use for your good so that you might be able to influence others and bring Him glory. I mentioned last week, which was... Easter Sunday, that more people may be tuning in to hear the Easter story and the resurrection story maybe more so than ever before. Sure enough, if our calculations are correct, we had more people attend Parkway Baptist Church last Sunday by way of streaming online than ever before in the 50 years of Parkway Baptist Church, perhaps more so than ever before. Uh, I, had a, I had a Zoom meeting now, not just more online than ever before, make sure you understand, but more who had ever heard and been a part of a resurrection service in attendance as well. Had a Zoom meeting this week with about 20 or 30 other pastors today, and they kind of described the same and reported the same phenomenon. I thought it, and I mentioned it last week that it might be true. More people around the world heard the story of the resurrection on one Sunday than ever before, perhaps, and then in the history of the world. That's the report. If it's a worldwide event, you can expect God to be at work worldwide. If it's a church event or something happening in the community, you can expect God to be at work in the church and in the community. If it's something that's happening in your home or maybe in your heart, then you can expect God to be at work at your home and in your heart, and you can expect that the effects and the influence may even be much greater. Sometimes Moses going through the water and even knowing his family, sometimes it's compared to baptism. And most of us just have an inkling of the significance of baptism. We're baptized. We're, we're baptized. We're not only being obedient to what we believe God wants us to do, but we're letting the world know that we trust Jesus for eternity. Well, I want to tell you, if you trust Jesus for eternity... If you trust Jesus when this life is over, you're going to be with Him at home in heaven forever. Well, surely you can trust Jesus with today. Expect God to come through in whatever crisis you face personally, with whatever you're praying for, whatever worries you face, with whatever you're facing, we're facing as a nation or the world in which we live in today. Can I tell you a kid's story? One summer afternoon, three turtles decided to go on a picnic. This is not a true story, by the way. Three turtles decided to go on a picnic. One turtle took turtle food, another turtle took turtle aid to drink, and the third turtle carried nothing. 
when they got to the picnic site, they felt the first drops of rain. Good story for today. And so the first turtle said, somebody will need to go back and get us an umbrella. We can't have a picnic without an umbrella if it's going to rain. The second turtle said, I think whoever does it uh, is empty-handed ought to be able to go. The third turtle said, no way. As soon as I leave, you'll eat all the turtle food and drink all the turtle aid. They said, we will not eat it no matter what. He said, no matter what? The other two turtles said, no matter what. So he started to make his way back. As he made his way, they waited one hour. They waited two hours. They waited four hours. They waited a day. They waited, they waited two days. They waited a week. They waited two weeks. Finally, the second turtle said to the first turtle, well, maybe we should go ahead and eat the food. And just then, the third turtle was heard from a bush that was nearby and said, I told you you would eat the food if I left. Well, is that not what we do to God? We talk of trusting God, but will not let go or move in the direction that calls for faith without holding out or holding on to something. True faith in God sometimes means letting go. Sometimes it means waiting and watching, admitting that we can't handle everything on our own and we need help. But this is when we admit our needs and we are insufficient in ourselves. And that is when God will do His greatest work. When Jochebed, Moses' mother, put him into the basket, into the Nile. She put him among the reeds, and she let go. And Sister Miriam watched. Why did she watch? Well, we're told in verse 4, where she watched to see what would, be, what would happen to him. It was not to watch him float away, but expecting that God would do something. Now, I know some of what you're facing today. You may be worried, or you may be anxious about what's happening or about the future and chances are there are other concerns in your life that I know nothing about place these in God's hands spiritually through prayer if not physically by taking action and watch not with skepticism but with assurance we've talked about today blessed assurance blessed is that great assurance with no idea how he's going to do what he's going to do but anticipating God to come through again uh, don't leave me here. Listen, if you need to go get a Coke and a cookie to hang with me for the next few minutes, hang in there because I don't want you to miss this. If you want a front row seat for what God's going to be doing today, what He's going to be doing in the future, your opportunity to be a part of that, you'll need to live in the present but hope in the future. God uses those who are faithfully seeking to do God's will to be part of His plan. The parents hid Moses for three months. When the whippers of an infant turned to the wells of a three-month-old, they put Moses in the basket. Maybe they knew that this is the exact time that Pharaoh's daughter would be bathing, and this is the time and the place in which she came. We don't know that for sure. But when surrounded by hard-hitting circumstances and tough choices, and frustrated that there's little or nothing to do, seek the face of God. And when faced with a difficult situation... Do what you know is right and do what you know is godly and trust God with the outcome. Now, we must follow God's plan as we see it so far. We know God's plan as we see it. So we know it from God's Word. We read God's Word. We know it from the example that we have in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to be Christ-like, follow His example. We also know it by the Holy Spirit who is living inside of us. And then know that, remember and believe these good things in store. When Pharaoh's daughter found the baby, the, ba the baby was crying. The Bible says that she took pity or had compassion on him, even though she knew it was a Hebrew child. And the cry of baby Moses was used by God. 
Maybe it was used for the parents to know when they needed to put the baby in the basket. And then we know that it was used again for the cry that was used to, by Pharaoh's daughter to have compassion on him when she heard the baby crying. Well, even the cry of an infant can be symbolic of God's providential care. It's okay to cry out, literally, crying today, cry out for God and trust in God's care for you. And as Pharaoh's daughter found the baby was moved with compassion, on cue, Miriam asked, Shall I get a Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? Notice this truth. If you're found serving God in the present when times are difficult, you'll be given opportunity to join in on what God is doing. Oh, we need to pay attention, watch, and be ready to respond in God's timing. Now, some of you know that uh, I love humor, and I like to use it sometimes in my sermons, though sometimes my humor doesn't match up with your humor. But I have discovered and found out it's all in the timing. For it to be effective, it must be, the timing must be good, not just so that you might be able to get the joke or get the humor, but in order that it might be able to make the right point. It may be that God has allowed to happen what you are going through today, whatever we're happening in this world as a nation, what you're going through personally, so that He might be able to get your attention. And He wants you to know important truth. And He wants you to be able to take action. And the Lord has great timing. Is this making any sense? The Bible says God's way is not our way. God's way is always better. And now, here's Moses' mom and dad, Moses' mother particularly, instead of living in fear that somebody might find out she has a baby, what's happened? She's now taking care of her own child and she's getting paid for it by Pharaoh. Moms, how'd you like to have that gig? Get paid for taking care of your own child. Moses' family remained faithful in difficult times, expected God to come through, and they were ready to take action in God's good timing. You're to serve God today. If you're not serving Him today, chances are good. You're going to find it harder to serve in the future. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. And we, we learn this important principle about serving and seeking today, and I believe it's written out in your notes. We're not to dwell on the past nor wait till things are better to seek after God, but we are to serve God today knowing through Christ there is the blessed hope. He is the blessed hope. And a bright future is ahead. I don't know whether you noticed this or not, but Moses, who's the writer of Exodus, he's writing Exodus chapter 2 and He's writing the first chapter about his life. It's his autobiography. He doesn't write any of the names of the characters. We don't find out who the, the name of Moses' mom and dad until Exodus chapter 6. We, we don't find out until later that the sister is named Miriam. We don't even know for sure what uh, Pharaoh's daughter, who became the stepmom of Moses in Egypt, we don't even know her name. Maybe it's because Moses knew that the main character of the story that's not him, but it's God. God is at work. Let us work to make the main character in our story, main character in the world story, that it's sure that it is God. One name that was mentioned. It's the last verse we read. Pharaoh's daughter called him Moses because she had drawn him out of the water. 
Moses in Egypt actually means son. And somehow she must have known some Hebrew because in Hebrew it sounds like the word that means to be drawn out. Well, God does have a plan. A big part of our future already if we know we have given our life over to Him because we have been redeemed for believers in the Lord Jesus or we have been drawn out so that we're no longer of this world but of another kingdom. Today, will you actively seek to be a part of God's plan for your life? If you do not have Jesus, if you don't know Him personally, you can be a part of God. You can be sure that you're part of God's plan by asking Christ to forgive you of your sins and asking Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus, you want to be sure that you're part of God's plan by seeking His face every day, seeking to be faithful, anticipating that God is going to be at work, and be ready to be a part of what God's doing today and what God is doing in the future so that you might be able to discover what's next. What's next for the world, we might wonder. What's next for you? Well, you can be assured that God has a plan and He wants you to be a part of it. I encourage you today, if the Lord's leading you to maybe reach out to someone about a decision you need to make, about giving your heart and life to Christ, you need somebody to pray for you. We've already mentioned here earlier in the service that you can reach out, certainly on our website, by phone, by email, however you'd like to. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear. And we look forward to being with you as we continue our journey through the escape zone, looking at the life of Moses in the weeks to come. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Dick to close us out.